right here at the very beginning of chapter 3, we see that the Apostle Paul, he's an apostle. Do you guys know what an apostle is? It's someone who's sent by Jesus Christ to establish the church that never existed in the world before. He's like a missionary that, that's going to take this idea of the church that didn't exist. The church didn't exist before Jesus came. And so he, Jesus gave the apostles the job to go out and establish the church all over the world. This is the Apostle Paul. And he had power. If you've seen the apostles, um, they were um, able to pray for people and heal them. They were able to blind people <laughs> for whatever reason. You know, God gave them these terrifying power, if you will, encounters with people. Um, snakes bit Paul, you know, a snake bit Paul. And he just like um, wiggled it off. But one time a snake bit me, but it, I, it like got me, but it wasn't poisonous. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, this snake's not poisonous, but I forgot that it had fangs and like that. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> snakes still bite. Who did I think I was, right? But the apostles, they, uh, they had some power with them, some authority to go into the world. And yet with all that power and that kind of authority, Paul was very humble to always ask for prayer. And he knew that he needed it. And so I think that that's a good thing for us to look at there right away. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. So running around in the world like they were, they, they were needing in prayer. I mean, yeah, he had power. But look at all the things he went through as well. Look at all the shipwrecks and look at all the beatings and being arrested and all this stuff. You know, if it was like that all the time, you know, with the power stuff, they could have just like, you know, nuked everybody and got it all done with right away. No, it was a real battle, even though they were apostles of Jesus. And, and so when you're out there, think of this is the Apostle Paul. Think of us. How are we going to be able to overcome the same difficulties as we go forward and try to change our life? You may be dealing with bad thoughts. You know, you may be dealing with bad people. You may be dealing with bad, who knows, um, bad life because of sin, a life that we create. From our own sin. Can I get the gain down on this a little bit? It's a little bit high. Give me some feedback. So, you guys, we can't go and do and live the way God wants us to live without having power. And we're not going to have power on our own strength. God doesn't give us, He doesn't just say, You got all the power you need for all the rest of your life at one time. I wish he did. I wish it was like a one trip to the gas station. We fill it up and it's like eternal, you know, power, eternal fuel. You guys understand what I mean when I say power? Like fuel, 
fuel for life, power, energy, the ability to be effective. Do you ever feel ineffective? I, I feel like that sometimes. You feel like you don't have any traction, you don't have any power to move, any power to rise. In the morning sometimes when you're sick, you guys feel like that? You don't have any power to rise, and you're, you're like, where, where am I going to get the power from to, you know, and something just says, I need to go. I need to do stuff, right? While the Holy Spirit's living inside of us, and when God wants us to do something, the Holy Spirit gives us the power. And, and it's true when you're a believer and, and you're being asked to do things that are out of this world, crazy, but it, we don't have that without prayer, without asking God, without having people pray for us. Uh, we couldn't do the things that we do in our ministry without prayer. And so we, we have a prayer team. We have prayer requests. In our, in our website, we have the ability for people to submit prayer requests. You know, and they come in. Um, we, ha we have prayer nights. And uh, we, we take uh, prayer requests from all over the world. We get them in. And we, we pray for those things. And uh, in our ministry worldwide, there's a 24-7 prayer chain going on that hasn't stopped in 20 years. It's pretty crazy. And it's going day and night, and there's so much happening. And if we didn't have those prayer teams and people, and if we wouldn't humble ourselves and ask for prayer, our lives wouldn't change, guys. Your life won't change without prayer. My life won't change without prayer. If you're in a situation, maybe you're facing some huge mountain and it's time for that mountain to come down when you're hoping somewhere in the bottom of your heart, you're saying, God, there's a mountain, but, but you're not understanding how it's going to come down. It's going to come down through the power of prayer. If you can't see and you're blind, spiritually speaking, God can open up the eyes of your heart to see the word. Hear the word that he's saying to your heart right now. You have obstacles. You have difficulties. You have doubts. You have uncertainty. And God is going to meet you in the prayer room. But you have to humble yourself. Finally, brethren, pray for us. I ask you, pray for us. I, I want to take you over to Matthew chapter 4. Now Jesus has an encounter with Satan, right? Jesus has an encounter with Satan and he uses the word of God, right? But here's some, something I want to bring up. You guys, you're, you're, you're wanting to grow and wanting to follow the Lord. And, and at some point when you're fully given over, you're going to face these same temptations that Jesus faced. You're all going to face them. And we're going to look at those. Jesus in chapter 4 verse 1. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Oh, 
Well, let me tell you how powerful that temptation would be for me. You see, I'm a terrible faster. I'm the worst at it. I'm no good. I could miss a, a meal all day, no problem. But when I set my mind and my heart to go fast, and I said, I'm going to fast for the Lord. I'm going to fast before the Lord. And I haven't even fasted and my stomach starts hurting. <laughs> you guys follow me? And then I start thinking, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. And I start thinking how weak I am. And by the time one meal comes around, I'm so weak. I'm famished. I'm losing all energy. Are you guys like that? Or, or is that just me? But, but hey, we could go two or three or four days when we're on a run without eating. But when it comes to the things of God, there's a, a true battle. There's a battle of the flesh. There's a battle of the heart. There's a battle of your soul. There's a battle with the devil and, and the Lord Jesus. And at your weakest point, that's when he comes. That's when the tempter comes. And we'll all face it. And, and, and he said, now that you're hungry, let's try this out. If you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread so you can eat them. So you can eat. You're, you're weak. You need to eat. That's how the tempter tempts. He's very wicked and waits till you're at your weakest and most vulnerable point. He's very wise to come and destroy your life. And he answered and said, it is written, Jesus said this, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now this is God Almighty standing and resisting the devil. And you got to resist him when the time comes from, for temptation. And you got to quote the word of God out loud, right? And you got to pray out loud to the Lord. You got to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. You got to use the sword of the Spirit and call on the, on, on the Lord and use his word and say it out loud. You got to resist him. So temptation doesn't overtake you. And this is the method Jesus has given us. And the devil didn't, he doesn't stop. Because in verse 5, he took the Lord God, Jesus Christ, up on a hill, on the holy city. He set him up on a pinnacle of a temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And that's Psalm 91 he's quoting, right? He's quoting the word of God. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And again, Jesus resists him. And he cries out and says, It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And you guys, it is so tempting when your pride is tempted pride is like carbon monoxide pride is like it creeps up on you you don't know that it's killing you until it's too late until you're dead it's like carbon monoxide and then satan comes in at your most vulnerable point and he he goes after your heart because he is god and those angels would bear his feet up because nothing could happen to him at that point. But that wasn't the point. Jesus wanted to show us how to overcome. 
I always remember Jesus doing these things in the gospel where he would go to a mountain or he would go to a deserted place and he would pray and he would prepare himself for these things that would come like this. You see, before this temptation came, what happened? He was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He was giving himself over in prayer. That's what you do when you fast. You don't just, you don't just not eat. You pray. Fasting is more about praying than it is about not eating. But it's praying in the right heart. And the Lord knows that those things that give us the human resources, when they're gone, we rely on heavenly resources. And we find them in the prayer room. We find those heavenly resources in the prayer room when we're asking God and we're pleading God to save our life and the tempter's coming and he's saying, you can just kill yourself, you can take your life. Because God, he don't care. Or God, he'll take care of you, he won't really let it happen. Or that's the only way out. See, that's the temptation. That's the lie, it's a lie. And we resist the devil. What does it say in the word of God? To resist the devil, he will flee from you. But we can't do it just by saying, I'm, I'm strong enough, I'm just gonna stand here. No, we resist the devil with the word of God in prayer. And we oppose him, and we oppose his work, and we oppose those lies because we have the truth. We have the truth, the lie, won't work if you have the truth. And, and a lot of people have fell and their lives have been taken and robbed and their lives have been cheated because they believe the lie. And so Jesus gave us this temptation account here to let us know that there is victory. There's victory in Jesus. And, and the devil, he didn't stop. Again, he, he's very persistent and verse 8 again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to him all these things i will give you if you will fall down and worship me now that's the temptation of temptations because it really is belongs to jesus but the devil has the keys for right now. <laughs> but Jesus, in the end, in Revelation, it tells us that he has the keys to the kingdom. That he has taken back the title deed to the earth. And he's overcome. And the devil is a defeated opponent. He doesn't want you to realize that. But he is defeated already. We're not waiting to defeat him. He's already been defeated. And so when we're up against the, the, between a rock and a hard place and the devil is tempting us, we are supposed to remember that we're not fighting somebody who's a victor, somebody who's a champion. Jesus is a champion already. He's the champion in your life already. And we have to call out on him. And that's what um, Jesus 
he resisted and he, he was prepared for these battles and you will have these battles. You'll be taken through these battles or perhaps you've already faced these battles and God has been gracious and merciful to have you here tonight to be able to, to see what he has done and how faithful he has been to you. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you, you shall serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. You see, he was weak. He was weak in the flesh, but strong in the spirit. And you may feel weak in your flesh, but just know that the Lord is strong when you're weak. When you're at the end of yourself and you have no human resources left, you have no ability to think for yourself and to help yourself, God is gracious and He is there for us and He will send His angels to come and minister to you. And you'll, you'll get that strength and that power and that person who will speak into your life and the grace of God will flood your soul and your mind and you'll know that this isn't coming from man. This isn't coming from what we have on our own streets here. This is coming from the grace of God on high, seated on the throne. And He's commanding blessing over your life. He's commanding His word to be true in your life. If you'll just believe Him, if you'll call out on Him. And, and that is why we need to be humble and ask for prayer when we're down and out, when we're struggling and we are trying to lock up all our thoughts and trying to wrestle with our thoughts by ourselves, and nobody truly can know and understand, we need to go to God Almighty and He sees the thoughts that you're struggling with. He sees the things that are going on in your heart. He sees the turmoil that your heart is in. He sees your temptation to give up. And when he sees that, he sends the right message at the right time. The devil left. It says the devil left him. Because why? We resisted. We brought these things to him, right? Jesus used the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And he was prepared through prayer in the wilderness. And guys, ladies, if you're having a struggle, remember God strengthens you in the wilderness. While you're going through the wilderness and you feel like you're going through the wilderness alone, you're not alone. The wilderness can be very scary, especially at night. Have you ever tried to walk through the wilderness at night? Coyotes are howling, they become wolves, you know. Uh, little noises. It's probably a little lizard, but it, you swear it was like some. You swear it was the chupacabra. <laughs> okay. In the wilderness, when it's dark, we're afraid. But you're not alone. And when you have the darkness that is starting to take terror, light the light up. Gotta light the light up. I always remember that scene from um, The Lord of the Rings. I, ju I just love those movies and I always quote them to you guys. But there's a scene where um, one of the uh, little fairy ladies or whatever have given uh, Frodo that light 
a little bottle of light, remember? And, and he was um, facing that, that huge spider in the wilderness, right? Isn't that the perfect picture? And what happened? He held up the light and the sword and he fought. He fought back and he saved his friend. It was actually the other guy. What was his name? Samwise, right? And he fought and he saved his friend with the light and the sword. Man, sometimes we need to fight for our friends. We need to fight for each other with the light and the sword. We need to stand in the gap for each other. When you're weak and you're saying, God, I'm going to fail. And he sends somebody and you tell him, you need to pray for me. You see, so often we fail because we don't humble ourselves and ask. Somebody knows they can help you. But if nobody knows, nobody can help. Because nobody knows. And we can't read minds. I, I wish I could. I'd be like, I know what you're thinking, Johnny. You better quit. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's turn back to Second Thessalonians. Paul humbled himself and he asked for prayer. He said, Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. I think that's a cool thought too. How does the word of God run? And how, how is it glorified by going quick, swiftly? I think of it like this. When we're taking the word of God and we're spreading it, the job of each other. You're, you're not really a disciple, you guys. That's what we're here to learn how to be. In case you didn't know. We're here to learn how to be disciples. And you're not really a disciple until you start teaching somebody. So you, you have to learn and then teach. Sometimes at the same time. Sometimes you're learning it on the fly and giving it as you go. But we should have those hearts to want to spread the word of God swiftly as a wildfire takes and spreads. So does the word of God. So just as it is with you, we want that to happen in your families. As we give this word out, we, we say these things on a pulpit or we say it in a small group in a room somewhere or we share it amongst each other these things should be shared amongst each other we we can teach each other we can build each other up and become disciples that's what jesus's followers are called disciples and the disciples you see that all over the scripture the disciples did this the disciples did that there were followers there were people who were hanging out on the peripherals they were just checking Jesus out. But then there were people who were like, oh, I know Jesus. I'm one of his followers. I'm, I'm you know, I always think of that disciple as the, the master, right? They call him master. But I, I, I grew up loving kung fu movies. <laughs> and I always thought the master was like, you know, the kung fu master. And his disciples were his students. And so, you know, there's people who came and watched the students and their teacher and he taught them all the kung fu moves while jesus had his disciples and he taught them all the spiritual kung fu okay but there were people who were just watching and then there were people actually in the class learning to be disciples 
And so as we are discipled and we grow and learn, we take that and we give it, we understand it, it becomes part of us. We no longer just hear the word, we do it. That's what life in the word of God is all about. It's not just being a hearer, but to be a doer of the word, to, to, to understand and say, I think this is what God wants us to do. So I'm going to go ahead and try that out and do it. And when you do that, you start to see the results. That's how this whole thing works. Application. Notice in verse 2, he asked for prayer for this. Because they, they had a lot of opposition. And we've seen Jesus have opposition there in Matthew chapter 4. Says that he also prayed that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all to have faith. So what they were dealing with constantly is people who did want the word of God. They didn't want Jesus to to be known, and then there were people who were unreasonable. So unreasonable. If you ever dealt with an unreasonable person, maybe, maybe if you uh, uh, ever worked a call center, anybody ever worked a call center? <clears throat> and when people call in, right, or you're trying to handle some difficult people, right? And, and they're just some people who are unreasonable. Or uh, I was at the doctor office the other day and um, I was gonna get my MRI on my foot. Thank you guys for praying for me. But there was this guy, he was nuts. And when I say nuts, he was, he was like, you know, tinfoil nuts, tinfoil hat, you know. Um, he, he comes up and he goes, and he pulls out an iPad and he goes, see, um, I'm gonna sign this. You're acknowledging that I'm gonna sign this, right? And he's filming it. And then, <laughs> just, and then they're like, yeah, um, you, we see you signing it. He's like, you're acknowledging that I signed it. Like, yeah, yeah, we're acknowledging that. He's like, okay, good. He goes, and he, he, he turns and looks at me, and he says, I got this stuff figured out. And I was like, what? What do we have here? And I turned, and I looked at this young guy, and he looks at me and just goes, he just, his eyes, eyebrows raised, and my eyebrows raised, and we just smiled, because we knew that it, there was going to be some comedy happening you know but I looked at the workers and they were just like looking at each other like what what's going on <laughs> he was uh, unreasonable he nobody knew they couldn't understand why what his reasoning was he didn't have any reasoning he was unreasonable that's what it means you have to th ask yourself why you do the things you do and, and a lot of times miscommunication and a breakdown happens because we don't know the reasons why we do the things we do or the reason why we feel the way we do or the reason. There's a reason, right? Reason means you've thought about it and come to a reasonable conclusion. And sometimes there are people who you deal with that don't think much. They just go and do and they don't reason. And you know what the Bible says about um, how can two walk together unless they're agreed, right? 
Or what is the book of Isaiah? Come and just reason with me. God says, I'll reason with you. Come reason with me. Think about it. Think about what I'm saying. Think about what you're saying. And and, and, um, sometimes past trauma and experiences pepper our way of thinking. And we shut down people or circumstances because we think we know what's going to happen already. But we don't know life in Christ. Life in Christ requires trust and faith. And even though 99 times something has failed without Christ, that one time that you do it in Christ, it's going to work. Because you did it in Christ. You did it in the Spirit. Let's be reasonable. Let's be reasonable people. Because unreasonable people are ungodly. They don't glorify God. And God wants us to be those who glorify Him. And we definitely don't want to be wicked men. Wicked is even something far different. Wicked is something that brings out this idea of actually hating God. And hating people. There's hatred behind wickedness. Hatred and wickedness is all from the devil. It's all in the flesh. It's all bad. (laughs) None of it is good. There is no part of the flesh that is good or satisfying. So wicked men come and try to join Paul. Or they try to thwart Sometimes the best way that wicked men can thwart a work of God is to join the work of God. And we've seen that in the book of Acts often. We've seen that, um, I brought that out in uh, Wednesday night in our prayer meeting, where um, in Acts chapter 16, there was a girl with a spirit of divination. And instead of saying, you know, because that was wickedness that was in the girl, instead of saying, Oh, we oppose you, Jesus. The, the, the wicked spirit inside the girl started saying, These are men of God. And she started trying to draw credibility for herself through the work of God that these men were doing. And she started trying to legitimize her work. And the enemy is very crafty how he can even tie himself to the work of God to give his own work or his own people's work Wicked men who don't have any faith in Jesus. You know, people can believe and know there's Jesus, but they don't have faith in Jesus. Even the demons believe that there's Jesus, that Jesus is real. They just don't have any faith. They, they don't love him. They've denied him. They've been rejected, right? And, and wicked men are those who reject Jesus on purpose. Wicked men are those who reject the works of Christ and replace them with their own works because they feel like their own works are better than Christ's work. That their own work is going to supersede the work of God. And and we have even people that um, I talk to all the time, sometimes they're doctors, sometimes they're they're, um, uh, people who are in the the government and they think that they have the, the answer and they, I talk to them about what we do in the, in the ministry, in the program of U-Turn for Christ. And some of them are like, oh, that's really great. And others are like, that's really nice, little preacher boy. 
and they treat me like like I'm just like that's really cute that you're trying to do something good for the community and I'm here I'm like we're at war (laughs) you don't understand I got my hand on the nuke button right now (laughs) so they, they just don't understand but they also think they have the answers when they don't have the answers the answers are not going to be solved for people in those things those things are going to come as a benefit from our work good works come out of christ good works don't bring you to christ they come out of christ only the spirit can draw people to christ and so there's wicked unreasonable men, people who don't have faith in jesus and they even uh, the worst people are the atheists I'm not, you know, there's different religions and people who come, uh, Muslim people, you know, talk to them all the time. We usually get along unless they're like from, you know, Al-Qaeda or something. Then uh, then we have we have grounds for a fight. But usually we're like, we agree to disagree. Um, there's a, an imam he invited me to come to his place if he could come over here I was like well we're not probably we're probably not going to do that but I'll go to your place <laughs> but you can't come to ours <laughs> you know it's like that you know we, we uh, agree to disagree and of course we do have the truth Jesus saved me and I'm a different person because of it and anybody in my family can tell you that. And it's only because of Jesus. Nothing from myself. Nothing from anybody. Nothing from any program. Nothing from any church. Nothing from any person or one man. It's all the man Jesus. He did that in me. For me. To save me. Because he loved me. And he could do it for you too. And so. Not all have faith. But the atheists. Man. It's not that they don't have faith. They have faith. They have faith. But not in God. They have faith in themselves. That is the absolute worst place to be. You're so, so in the place of God. And those are the most violent and argumentative against Christ. And you know what? Most atheists used to be Christians. Uh, it's like that one movie, God's Not Dead, that the greatest and most, you know, powerful atheists were used to be the most committed Christians. And something happened to them. Something happened to them where they took their eyes off of Jesus some sort of trauma some sort of pain and they blame God for it and I feel really bad I I, I was looking at a, a guy the other day and there was people laughing and there was people having a good time and uh, and I was just looking at him and and I I just felt sorry for him because I could tell he didn't know how to laugh he, he didn't know how to have that same laughter and joy that everybody else was and he was trying to join in but 
He just didn't know how because he had no emotion. He had nothing. He was empty. And that is just a very sad place to be. I had my heart go out to him. It was, there was a lot of compassion poured into my heart for him because I understood at that moment that he is lonely and he's scared and he's trying to figure out why everybody is able to have this joy. And those people had joy because they had the joy of Jesus in them. And let me just tell you, if you feel empty and you feel like you're missing that joy, it's because we have to have Jesus. We have to have him in our heart. We have to have him like we possess something in our hand. It's the same way we must possess Jesus in our life. I got a piece of food on my, on my shirt. Save that for later. And so the Lord is faithful. And he says there in verse 3, the Lord is faithful. And he's good to show up at the right time. I believe that so much. God doesn't show up, but only at the right time. It seems like he's missing, but he's always there. And when we fail, he's still there. He's constant. He's like the sun. You know how we're um, in a solar system, right? You've seen those models with the Earth and, and you know, we have, what is it? Um, come on, help me out here. Mercury, is it? And then Venus and then Earth. And what's the fourth one? Mars. Mars, Mars. Pluto. I don't think Pluto's a planet anymore. Yeah. But maybe they'll, they'll turn it back into a planet one day when it grows up, you know. But the thing about all of those, the solar system, is it all revolves around what? The sun, right? The sun. And there's seasons that happen and days and nights and years pass by. And the sun, it seems like the sun turns off at night, right? That's what, what people in ancient times used to think that, the, that somebody would turn the sun off and then light it back up in the morning. But we know scientifically, right, that the sun never turns off. It's just that the earth tilts out of the rays of the sun. The sun never stopped being the sun, but something changed on our end, right? And nothing changed on the sun's end. That's how faithful God is. Stuff changes for us as we're going through our seasons and our circular motions in life. And we have things change and sometimes things get cold and distant and far away. But that doesn't mean that God has changed. It means that we've changed. And God is always going to be there to warm us up. God is always going to be there to bring the spring and to bring the summer. Things change with us. Not with God. God, where are you? I remember God asking Adam, Adam, where are you? As he was looking at the garden of Eden. 
what happens is we become ashamed and we hide and run from God. And he's out there looking for us. And God is faithful. And he'll find you. And he'll bring you back home. You know the, the prodigal son, the story, he's, he didn't change. His love for his son didn't change. It was the same. But he had a lot of pain. In fact, the, the, the more pain that he experienced being separated from his son, the greater his love, it seemed like, he had. And I, I think when you're away from God for so long, God's love is just so strong and so powerful, and he, his heart is so much more from you, and, and he just can't wait for you to come home. And that's such a beautiful picture. You wait for those moments in life where, can I just feel some comfort, some warmth? And that's what we call the grace of God, you guys. Where, where you, you understand God loves you. God loves you. And he's just like that feeling when you get and you hug somebody and you just break. And all the hardness goes away. And all the pain is flushed away. And you experience the love of God. And you realize that his presence is all you needed. You didn't need anything else. Nothing else could fix it. Just that heavenly warmth, embrace that you felt at one point in your life is so much greater than that. And so God is faithful and he'll establish you. I love that word established too. I don't know if we were talking about that the other day with some of the guys here or somebody here, but... Um, the word established is, uh, it reminds me of cheers, right? Did I say that last week? Yeah. <laughs> cheers. Well, being established and rooted are kind of the same thing. Grounded, whatever you want to call it. Having a good foundation. I know this about roots. That the tree can only grow as tall as the roots go down, right? Any arborists, any tree fanatics in here? And that tree will only be as strong as the root system. And God wants to establish you and he wants to guard you. He says he wants to guard you from the evil one. We talked about that, we've seen that, how, how the enemy came at Jesus if the enemy came at Jesus, of course he's going to come at you. And there's a lot of reason for fear in people. But when you are in the arms of your father, you don't have to be afraid. Because he's got a big old bad stick. And he can whoop anybody. <laughs> Who do we got to be afraid of? When, you know, you get out from under... I, I uh, watch like kids sometimes, you know, or my little kids. And my little girl, she's very brave. She'll be, get afraid of something and she'll come run to me and hug me. And then she'll turn around. And once she's in my arms, then she'll turn around and get brave and say, I told you not to do that. You know, <laughs> you know but she'll stay within that grasp. But she'll start rebuking somebody. <laughs> I told you not to scare, stay away from me or to scare me. 
you know? She's brave when she's by her dad. But out there, she's like, where can I go? You guys, we got to stay in the place that he can guard us. If we get off of that place, if we're out there on our own, how's he going to guard us? You got to stay in his arms, in his will. Then you have to have a covering, right? That's, that's what you would call a covering. That's what the church is. Church is a covering. The church doesn't belong to anybody but the Lord Jesus. So, but we come to the church together under a covering. Right? Under a covering. It's God's hand. That's how he does it. It's God's hand. And so we may feel like we're brave and go out there. But unless we have the covering of the Lord Jesus, we're exposed. And the Lord wants to guard us from the evil one. And we have to stay under his covering, under his authority, under the hem of his garment. That's how he works. That's how God works. If you understand power and authority, you understand that you have to keep yourself in a certain spot. Because he told you to. He says, boy, he tells me that. You stay right here. You mean what? What, God? Now you got to do that. I don't understand why, God. Just trust me. You just got to trust me. I believe you. I believe you, Father. I believe you, Father God. I'm going to do it. And it becomes a blessing. When we obey our Lord. When we obey our Father in heaven. It's a blessing. And so... The Lord is faithful to establish us and guard us from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord. He's saying to them, we know that the enemy is out to destroy you. But we have confidence in the Lord concerning, both, concerning you both that you do and will do the things we command you. So, he's really, really pleased that they understand obedience. He's like, I know that you guys are going to do the things that we've instructed you. And if anything new comes up that we need to make you aware of, we know that, we know that you're going to follow through. And he praises them in that. And I, a lot of times we harp on, you got to be obedient. you got to be obedient. Which is true. We have to. That's one of the hardest things that we have to learn is to learn to be obedient to the Word of God. Right? But how many times does anybody ever tell you, you've done well in being obedient to the Word of God? Well, Paul does it here. And it's a blessing for them to hear, I bet. Because, you know, they, they, they're going through some hard things in life. And, and they've been doing the best they could. And then he says, I'm really glad that you do the things that we tell you to do. I'm really pleased with that. I'm really, I, I'm really blessed by it. And that's, that's just a blessing. As a spiritual father, he is to them. 
or even just as a father when your children are a blessing it's just a blessing to tell them back to bless each other you know what maybe we should bless each other this week or this in the times that come up and tell each other I'm really just blessed by how faithful you've been or the things that you've done or the acts of faith and sometimes people lose perspective because they don't get that blessing they don't look for that or they, they they're looking like am i doing the right thing and, and or am i just like spinning my wheels and, and, and we are sent as little messengers for each other and we encourage each other through it when we bless each other and we tell each other man i'm really really uh, loving what God is doing in you and how your heart is given over to the Lord. And you just got to tell people stuff like that um, just to reaffirm in them that God is working in them and God is, is doing a work in them and, and, um, and, and it's just sharing love is what it is. It's sharing, let, letting love come out of you and splash others with it. And, and finally, to, to end tonight, he says, may the Lord direct your hearts, verse 5, into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. So the Lord directing our hearts. And this has been something that I've been thinking on for years, but really this past year is how God directs. It's so uh, crazy when you begin to realize God answers your prayers and, and you're like, well, that was pretty fast. And you almost don't want to believe that sometimes God answers prayers that fast. But he does, he, and he'll direct your hearts. You're praying for something and God gives the open door, the open opportunity, and you realize this is from God and, and he directs your hearts into new places. I, I'll tell you what, God directed your heart here tonight. Did he not? How did you end up here? How do people end up here? <laughs> Sometimes we look at each other and we say, how did I get here with you? <laughs> and we can't, I can't believe it. I don't know how, you know, the reality of what we're dealing with here is only God could assemble a group of people like this tonight. It's only him who could do it. No other place or no other institution could organize itself and gather each one of you here tonight. A lot of times guys end up at U-Turn for Christ and they think, well, I got here because I needed to be here or a judge ordered me here or somebody ordered me here. And... God is faithful to remind us He directed you here. He directed us here. We're here together. And without you, it would be a bummer. <laughs> without you, we'd be missing a piece of God's plan. God knew you would be here. And so that's what He does. He directs our hearts and He directs them um, all into the love of God. He, he, he's working on us, right? He's after our hearts. He's after the most important part of you. 
This body is going to fade away. We're going to trade it in for a new one, but what is going to remain is the real you, the inside. That's what he's after. This terrestrial body, it's only good for a few years. And then we get an eternal one. And we get an eternal one because we have the love of God poured out into our hearts. And we're in his will. We've been saved. We're born again. We're new creations in Christ. We have a new life, a new identity. And he has done that for us. And he's very patient with us, guys. He's very patient. He talks about that. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Think about the patience of Christ. How patient he is. How long has he been waiting on you? <laughs> How long has he been working on you? The Bible tells us that he knew you before the foundations of the world were even formed. That's a long time. He knew you before you were even created. He's very patient. And he knows who you are. He knows your deepest thoughts and your deepest needs and your deepest desires. And he knows the desires you have that are not of him. And he wants to give you a new thirst. A thirst for living water. A thirst to desire the bread of life. Right? A hunger for the bread of life. And so... He's very patient. He's working on us. And we come and we give our life to Christ. We say, God, now you have to do everything. And like today and tomorrow. Because I need some stuff. You know, I need to be like good by next week. Because <laughs> I, I got some court issues coming up. <laughs> or something like that. You know, God is patient. And he knows what he's doing. He's a surgeon. You ever seen those surgeons work? Or watch like, you know, those reality shows where, where you're in the hospital and the surgeon's in surgery for like 10, 12, 15 hours, sometimes longer. And, and they're, they're very precise. Their, their hands move over the veins of your body. One little slip up and they could cut a vein and you would be dead. But those hands are trained to glide over and they know the right technique to get around certain obstacles in your body. And they know how to repair a broken bone and to set it all together and what little ligament goes where. And God, the surgeon who is working on your heart, knows better than all of them. He created me and you. And he's very patient to put us back together. We're like Humpty Dumpty, guys. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. <laughs> He's all broken. Does that look like your life? You come like, God, Humpty Dumpty again. <laughs> He's like, oh, Humpty Dumpty, not again. That's not God. He says, oh, Humpty Dumpty, I'm not going to put you back together again. I'm going to create a new Humpty Dumpty. 
But it ain't going to be Humpty or Dumpty. It's going to be Mike. <laughs> and I'm going to give you a new purpose. And don't stand on walls anymore. <laughs> He's going to change your location. The point is, God doesn't want you to be messed up and broken. You were born messed up and broken. God wants to make you whole. And we do that when we give our lives to Jesus. And he's very patient for us to come to him. But God told Adam that his patience wouldn't last forever. It's going to run out. And...